This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night, we're up the top of the tower, it can mean only one thing. We are the Fight Disciples, I'm your host Nick Pete. I'm delighted to join you for the next hour for, as usual, 60 minutes of nothing but Merseyside fight sports chatter. Loads of feedback last week from the two Cage Warriors lads that we had in the head of Cage Warriors 101 at the Exhibition Centre on February the 16th. Tickets are available for that now. Thanks to both those lads for coming in. Going to be an absolute humdinger. And a, load of, a lot of people who are listening to the show give feedback to say it was great, it was refreshing, it was lovely to hear two lads that are going to fight in a... I think it's going to be a co-main event. Co-main event in Liverpool, a Merseyside derby. Two lads from this city going at it. And yet they were showing each other utmost respect. They basically said to each other, listen, we're mates now, we'll be mates after, but when that bell goes, we're going to throw down. And that leads me perfectly onto tonight's guest. We've got a boxing show for you tonight, but when we're talking about gentlemen in fight sports, they don't get any more take home to your mother than the man himself, Mr. Gerald Carroll. <laughs> Welcome to the studio, my mate. Hello, Nick. You're That's a nice mate. intro for you, isn't it? What yeah, can I yeah. say? I've had worse. <laughs> <laughs> I've had worse. A two gents, nine and hours a pro now, Jed. And uh, it's been a mad little journey for you to get to this nine and no stage. Is it? First question I want to ask you is, is being a pro boxer all, it's, all you dreamt about as a kid? Definitely not, mate. Definitely not. I think... When you're a kid, you only ever see, you know, the titles, the belt. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and sometimes, mate, it's unfair. Yeah. You know, I think in many other sports, in terms of the pro status, um, you know, you play at a lower league club, you know, in terms of, like, money and not all the fights are Floyd Mayweather fights, Pacquiao fights. They're not all... We're not all getting you know, a million dollars or, you know, and sometimes, mate, it's tough, it's tough. But at the same time, I wouldn't swap it. You yeah. know, it has, it has been a dream of mine since I was a kid and it's been a long road, but I'm here and hopefully this will be a big year for me. The, um, we've had a lot of lads in and over the course of the last three years from this city on, on all different types of journeys, so many in a similar position to yourself, waiting for that big breakthrough, waiting for that big opportunity, waiting for those Sky or BT Sport cameras to give you that that opportunity to really step forward and you're kind of still in that position. The difference with yourself though, Jed, is you work full-time, you've got a career away from boxing and a really good career. Now, I, I often describe you as the punching paramedic, but that's not 100% accurate, is it? No, no, I work for Northwest Ambulance Service. I'm on the course at the minute, but I am a technician, um, which is similar in role, but not a full a full paramedic as of yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, it's it's tough. It is. It's twelve hour shifts, you know, sixty hour weeks, and then it's the gym round work. You know, I'd like it to be another way, but it is how it is, and. You can sit there and you can moan and say, oh, you know, I'm working and I haven't got sponsors and this, that and the other, but it still doesn't take away from what needs to happen. I still need to go to the gym. I still mm. need to work and it is what it is. And until I do get that break or I do get that opportunity, um, I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing, mate, and keep my head down and just, and just keep firing away. Yeah, I think so many, <clears throat> again, lads who come in, they've got no other option. 
you know, they may have left school early. They may have been thrown out of school. You know, it's a familiar story in boxing. We're all too familiar with it. But you've obviously come out of school with an education. You've obviously got this career opportunity for you. You, you must have your family and your girlfriend and stuff going at times going... There's a, there's, there's a path there for you now. Finish your paramedic course, done. Yeah. Your career's there, laid out for you. Definitely, mate. You know, there's been times myself where I've thought, you know, I, I've got a chance here. I know it's a job for life. You know, they're always going to need, you know, ambulance staff. And, it, you know, I could settle now. I could settle and just be happy taking my wage home. But that's not what I want, mate. Mm. I can, you know, if I've got a chance to do what I dreamt of doing as a kid, then why not go for it? You know, we only get one shot at, at life as such. And, you know, if someone would have said to me when I was 11, oh, you'll turn pro and, you know, will you give it a go? 100%, mate. And at times it's hard. I'm not going to say, it, you know, it's a walk in the park. But I just think this is a big opportunity. And, you know, not many people can say, you know, they turned into a professional as an athlete and you know I'm just trying to take it one step at a time but hopefully mate it'll all be worth it in the long run yeah the Echo Arena shows next time you're out on March the 30th uh, an opportunity for you to go double figures then can go 10 and 0 on the night why is it you know you're about to get into double figures of wins 10 straight wins I said to them coming into the studio I was looking at your stats officially you've lost 3 rounds mm. out of 40 You've won every fight. I've never seen you lose a round. I've got to be honest. You've won every fight. You've won it convincingly. Won it hands down. Yeah. Why are we on the verge of double figures fights, which in theory means phone call away from a area title, regional title, whatever? Why is it not quite clicking you? I don't know, mate. I'm not massive on social media. I must. I must admit. Um, obviously, you need to get your abs out. Anthony Fowler, you'd say something about Anthony Fowler's book. Get them abs out. It's not my cup of tea, mate, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just because, you know, I'm not one to to shout about. I'm not one to not call people out. You know, I'll fight anyone. You know, I really will. As an amateur, you know, I boxed. You name it, I boxed them. And I think it's just more about sometimes, mate, you make your own look and I haven't made it yet. Yeah. And I think... In the end, you know, cream always rises to the top. So I mightn't have got the break as early as I would have liked, you know. But I have been on some big Liverpool shows and I have been on some big Sky shows. So as much as I'm not where I'd like to be, I've still done a lot in terms of... I've had the experience of being on a Sky show. I've had the experience of being on an outside event. Mm -hmm. I've had the experience of boxing on... Bellew's undercards and Callum Smith's undercards and you know and then I've had the other side of it where I've boxed on the smaller all shows where you know there's only a hundred of my fans there and you know the dinner shows and I suppose it's about getting a mix really mate you know if you're not an Olympian and you're not up there on terms of GB as an amateur then the chances of you coming out of the amateurs and going straight into a contract yeah. or a promotional deal where you're going to have that platform straight away. I don't think there's many fighters that do just finish the amateurs and then are projected straight, you know, 
Joe Cordina, the likes of yeah. the, that team of Olympians, Boatsy Fowler. <clears throat> yeah. They've all been projected. 10, 12 fights you're going to have either a Commonwealth or a WBA international. And that's that was their plan. Sometimes, mate, you know, if you haven't got the backing of a big promoter or a big promotional company, you've just got to do it by any means necessary. And sometimes it's about going on them small old shows in Preston, Gildall and you know there's some fighters on the show who, who've done it themselves you know Tom Farrell he's he's boxing at the Olympia in or the Devonshire is it the 26th yeah. um, and then he's on a big sky show so I'm just I'm just taking it one fight at a time mate and hopefully this year with this fight March the 30th it'll it'll get my name back out there and then hopefully mate as I say I'm always in the gym I'm always ready I'm not out every week partying, so hopefully, mate, to get the phone call. And what's what's the what's the goal for 2019 for you? Then is it is it four fights? Is it five fights? Is it a title fight? Um, yeah, I'd like to be out as much as I can. Um, obviously, once you get into title fights, doing six ten rounders isn't going to happen. So I think for this year, it'd definitely be a title. Um, three or four fights, definitely, mate. I'd like to. I'd like to hopefully maybe get a title before summer or after summer and then obviously defend it before Christmas and then see what happens. Yeah, what's this one at the Echo? Is it a six-rounder? This is a six, mate, So do you yeah. need to do it eight and then you've got it, then you yeah. can mix for the title? Yeah, there's another show in April, I believe, the end of April. Um, I think it's an MTK Liverpool show. So hopefully um, that'll be an eight-rounder and then obviously a ten for a title, whether that be an international, a central whatever yeah. you know I'll, I'll take anything as it comes really mate yeah are you, st- are you still with MTK because I did you gone with Steve Wood yeah no I, I've re-signed with MTK um, I did have a fight on a Steve Wood show before Christmas mm-hmm. um, but I have re-signed with MTK and I'm moving forward um, I think that was that was a good opportunity to for this year to start again re-sign and get moving forward now and, and start getting the right fights. Yeah. You need a, an action plan, don't you, really? The more than anything else, it's like, where's the direction going? Don't just get me my next fight. Yeah. When's the one after that coming? Where, where's the overall target here? That's it. I mean, I, I have spoke to MTK and, and we have had the chat and, and there is a plan moving forward and, and like I say, hopefully before the summer or after the summer, it will be it will be a title fight. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, mate. Another good performance on the 30th and then, Obviously, kick on. And I think ten years ago there was probably about six, seven hundred active pros in the UK, um, if 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 that many. And now there's got to be well over a thousand. There's got to be twelve hundred, if not fifteen hundred. Do you think it's a worse time now to be a pro boxer or better? You'd think it would be better, but actually, with so many pros at the moment, you know, people are turning over after white collar fights these days. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. I, I think. Liverpool boxing as a whole in terms of what we've done over the last say five years in terms of champions and producing champions and the big shows we have had here have been probably the best Yeah, you know for, for the city in terms of boxing on a whole I think nowadays mate anyone can turn pro and that's not a digger pros who are out there or but years ago, it used to be a bit of a path. You know, you'd join an amateur club, you'd, you'd 
box as an amateur for, for years and then normally you'd get told whether you were good enough or not yeah. or and there's always been you know journeyman in boxing that's you know that's been you know, forever but I think now mate there's the white collar scene now lads are selling a couple of tickets and they're having a few fights with lads who've never fought before and all of a sudden they're turning pro and they're chasing the dream and the pros which you know there's some there's some white collar fighters out there who, who may do alright mm. But I think in terms of the whole, I think it has damaged the sport. There's that many. I mean, I know lads who've had 10, 10 amateurs in the turning pro, mm. which to me is crazy. But you know, I wouldn't swap. I wouldn't swap their position for my position. And no. you know, do you think but, that comes down to the fact that these lads can sell tickets, and there's people out there who want to get in the boxing business that you can register to be. You know, I could register to become a manager with the British Boxing Board of Control. If the, you know. It only, it's only a little. I don't think the application's that much money, and you have to just show a little bit of experience around the sport. But once I've done that, I'd be like, right, okay, who sells tickets? I'll sign you. And that's a worrying place to get into because, you know, it's a sport, yeah, but you can't play at this game. It's oh. dangerous. It's a dangerous place. Oh, no, mate, I agree. You know, I think in terms of like a business aspect, there is going to be businessmen and, and trying to cash in on the sport. You know, like you said, you don't need much to become a manager or put your own shows on. So I think it's more about trying to protect what you know in terms of if you know lads are just signing for a promoter who's just going to fight for money, basically, and make him money, mm-hmm. then maybe try and say to them, look, you know, he's, he's, he's using you a little bit there. And, yeah. But... I don't know, mate. I think you're always going to get it in this sport. Unfortunately, there is a business aspect, a massive business aspect, and I think... Is that surprise you about the pros? How big the business aspect is? How much it is all about money and not about sport anymore? Yeah and no. I think being around who I was around when I was younger, obviously i seen, you know, David Burke, Derry, you know, Pricey... Paul Edwards, you know, I've seen all them go through the pro game and, you know, seeing how much of a business it actually is. And I think you still don't fully realise until you're in it how much of a business it is. Because yeah. even at the top level, even, you know, even even Anthony Joshua, it's still a business to him, you know. Yeah. Just a very, very, you know, big business to him. And but, but again, that's part of the problem because... If it wasn't so much of a business, surely we'd have seen Joshua versus Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury right now. Right now, already, the, the reason we haven't is because it's a business. That's it, mate. And it is, it is spoiling. You know, it is spoiling it as a whole. But at the same time, if you're getting forty million pound or twenty yeah. million pound a fight, and it was someone, an easier fight than the other one, you know. It is the hair game, mate, and one one fight it can all be over. Yeah. And we've seen it in the past. I'd love to see the fight, the best fighters fighting the best. I would, and I hope. You know, the more people are getting into boxing, especially the the people who aren't really hundred percent hardcore boxing fans. Yeah. Even they, them at times are getting onto it. Oh, that was a total mismatch. Or why isn't he fighting him? You know, why isn't Tyson Fury fighting Joshua? You know, why isn't Joshua fighting Wilder? Mm. Um, 
but like anything mate money talks and unfortunately like football it is a business yeah. you know it is and at it's times the, and it's usually the fans that come out on the worst side of it unfortunately Always. let's hope those fights happen anyway yeah. uh, you're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk I'd like to say I'm joined in the studio by Jed Carroll stick with us coming up in part two he touched on it then I'm going to ask him about the solid days and some of the lads he used to mix with down at the amateur gym before he turned pro don't go anywhere you're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm Nick Pete, still in the studio with me. The G-Man himself, Jed Carroll. Um, we were talking then, Jed, just before we broke, about uh, about David Burke and you being in the gym around these great fighters. You know, Berkey, uh, Denny Matthews, David Price, Stephen Burke, Mulholland, you know, the Solly back then when you were a kid when you were a little boy coming through yeah, yeah. it was just like champion 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 olympian champion bonkers it was mate it was as a kid you know there was titles titles and england vests and everywhere you turned someone was going away with england to you know to a tama tournament and you know Derry was winning titles paul edwards they were all you know david McHolland everyone, Stephen and, and David, you know, David was still on the end of his amateur career, but then mm-hmm. turned pro and, you know, went on to win the WBU and it was just, it just become the norm in the end. It just yeah. become the norm to, to be in a gym around, you know, good people and obviously my dad coaching. Mm-hmm. I went to, you know, every national final, you know, and it was it was a great time for the Solly and you know, looking at the Solly now, um there will always be a transitional period in boxing where, you know, there'll be a few years where there's the odd champion, but I think the Solly coming through now, they've got some some brilliant kids and it is getting as good as that that team that we had, so to speak, you know, the David Prices, the Berkeys, the Marlins, the the Paul Edwards, Derry. You know, it was it was a good time for the Solly. Was it? Was the Solly the first gym you went to? It was, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad was coaching at the time. He'd been coaching about two years, mm-hmm. and then I walked in the gym at five, five, just to get out the house. Yeah. Probably doing, probably doing my mum's head, and so he said, "I'll take, take him, take him, I'll take him down the gym." <laughs> and then I walked in, mate, and and from that minute, I think it was just as. As cliche as it sounds, mate, it was just that was what I knew what I wanted to what I wanted to do, yeah. And first fight at eleven. Um, I think I ended up having eighty two as an amateur and Did you that box amateur? <clears throat> yeah, he but he started at um the Everton Red me dad. Right. Um with Harry Curry. Um boxed there and then boxed with the Solly and then went back to the Everton Red. Right. Um but Oh, sorry, he started at the Solly and then went to the Everton Red when, when Harry Curry um, went to the Everton Red. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he had about 60 or 70, my dad. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Jimmy, Jimmy the Jab. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know he'd had that many fights. Yeah, yeah. He looks good for it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He must you have know. had some defence, your dad, going backwards yeah, and telling yeah. you. Yeah, he was, he was only a feather. Only a featherweight. Yeah. But everyone who everyone I speak to says, oh, he was, you know... Yeah, he was good. We we talked there in part one then about lads turning pro. Your dad had sixty amateur fights. Yet, I guess from of his generation, it probably never even crossed his mind to turn pro. No, mate. He had he had my sister Jodie when he was um, eighteen, and then obviously when she come along, he was working anyway. But 
it just become that much harder and I don't think the pro game was as much of a business as it is of course now but it was probably Liverpool you know, Stadium that's it the odd show yeah, buttons yeah. getting buttons yeah. so I think he was working he was earning you know steady wage and my sister come along and the boxing got put on the back burner but he actually did come back he come back when he was 20 trained to have a fight um, and the kid pulled out on the day oh. and then he just went ah that was his last last hurrah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his last hurrah. Robbed of his big moments. Yeah. Is he still coaching you, Dad? Yeah, he still pops in the gym every now and then. Yeah, um, not as much as he he was. Obviously, done twenty five years. My dad, you know, yeah. every day there straight after work and there till eight o'clock. But he still pops in and sees the lads. And I'm sure this year he'll probably start going in a little bit more and and getting back into the coaching side of it. Yeah. Do you ever look at your dad and think, see this crooked nose, this is cause of you, this? I wish you would have put a golf club in me, I'm to tell you. <laughs> and hey, my nose isn't too bad, actually. <laughs> For nearly 90 fights. <laughs> it's killed me, that. It's killed me. <laughs> no, mate. What does your dad think about the pro game? Um, about you turning pro and everything else? I'm, no doubt he supports you. I know your dad well. He's yeah. a diamond. No doubt he supports you every inch of the way. And he, he knows from what you the story you just told then how hard you're having to work having mm-hmm. to work full time and also train and be able to box but um, you know with his kind of experience as an amateur coach why did he never turn pro and did he ever did you ever have the conversation with him about listen I'm going to turn pro why don't you turn pro with me um, from from early on Nick he's never really not that he's not like the pro game he, he always watches the fights I think it's more the business side he doesn't like Yeah. so he was always, you know, the amateurs are the amateurs. You come in, you train, you fight. That's that. Obviously, the business side of the pro game. I think he's seen lads over the years who have had a massive amount of talent who don't sell as many tickets, just get left and crash him and burn, really. Mm. And I think that's that's what he's seen over, over a, you know, a 25-year period and... And that's not to say he doesn't like the pro game. It's just something he wouldn't really, or I can't see him getting involved in. Yeah, I think he prefer to, you know, stay with the amateurs. You know, get a kid in who's ten, eleven, and and watch him progress and and win titles rather than yeah, you know, make a man of him rather than uh, rather than see the sport yeah, yeah. change people the way it does. Yeah, you talked we talked there about uh, fighters who were at the Solly when you were a kid. Then you, who was the one that stood out to you? Who was the one that you looked up to? Who was the one that you're like, "Whoa, I'm gonna go and work on the bag next to such and such"? Because there was, as you say, half a dozen lads in there who were champions yeah. that you could have gone, "Wow!" But who, who was the one that stood out? I think I think the the best amateur for me I've ever seen was David Burke. Yeah. I, I think skill wise and skill sets and Stephen Stephen as well. Um, but again, mate, I, I trained alongside you know, Derry and Paul Edwards and it's sort of once David turned pro and Stephen turned pro, I looked up to Derry and I looked up to Paul Edwards and they become mates, you know what I mean? They, you know, I've knew I've knew them more than I've knew them all my life basically, do you know what I mean? And I think when what you've seen Derry do and and even the likes of David and all that and, and Paul. Paul was a British champion, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He he done well winning a British title and I think if I could emulate what they done in the sport I, I'd be happy. 
Yeah. Yeah. he's still the one that irks me, David Burke, just because he had all that talent. Obviously, he went to Atlanta Olympics, mm. looked unbelievable as a pro when he won that WBU belt. And then I was just checking the stats. Then it's sixteen years this year since we went to uh, we went to Trieste in Italy when he fought for the Stefano's off for the European mm. title and. We got out there. It was in a little tiny sports centre. There was literally, I think I was there was me and uh, Ron Lewis from the from the Times hmm. and the Sky Sports team. That was it, journalist wise. I was working with the Liverpool Echo. We got in this sports hall. There must have been about a thousand people for the European title fight. It was dead, and it, it just felt like the moment. And on that night, it just didn't happen for Berkey for whatever reason. It just didn't happen hmm. for him. And I remember on the flight on the way back to Liverpool, chatting with him and was like, you know. Nine times out of ten, you'd, you'd walk this fight dead easy. And it just didn't happen for him on the night. For whatever reason, he just had the off night. And from that moment, it just didn't seem to... I don't know if he lost his love for the sport or whatever. And you just thought, yeah, he's always the one that I think, he's the one that got away. He's the one that we should have been going. Ring magazine belts, yeah. you know, multi-weight world champion, stuff like that. It, it's it's a little bit infuriating when you look back. It is. I, I totally agree, mate. I, I do totally agree. I think that night against off. You'd have a bad night in it, you know, playing footy. There's ten other lads behind you. Yeah. You'd have a bad night in the boxing, and it can go horribly wrong. Yeah. And a confidence thing, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't honestly say. It kind of says it all about you know, the state of British boxing then as well. That we went to Trieste in Italy, back end of nowhere for a mm. European title fight. There was hardly anyone in the crowd. You know. Okay, Sky Sports were there and stuff, but it just shows how far the sports moved on. If that happens now, if you get a European title fight this this year, and yeah. fingers crossed we do, and against an Italian that clearly doesn't sell tickets in his backyard, that's happening at the Echo Arena. Yeah. Eddie Inge or MTK, someone's getting a checkbook out, Sky are backing it, it's happening here, and David Burke against Stefano's off in Liverpool, or Jake Carroll against European champion in Liverpool, you're going to side with you yeah. know, that moment, you're going to lift that moment, and... In hindsight, maybe it was the fact we got there and, and no one was interested. No one was talking about yeah, the fight. Yeah. No one was interested. And it just didn't happen for Berkey. But he's always the one when people say to me, who you've seen talent-wise, obviously I'll throw Selkirk in there as well because oh, yeah. sometimes Joe, Selkirk, yeah, yeah. you watch Joe and you just think... Joe was Joe was special, mate. mate you've Joe. clocked the game. He was. He you, know, you know all the cheat codes yeah, here. He had everything, mate. He could punch, he yeah. could box, he could fight. Um, talent. He, almost... Made it look easy, yeah. You know, and the sport's far from easy, but was again, David at times made it look easy. You know, there's been fighters over the years that have made boxing look easy. Mayweather's obviously the standout one, but in terms of Liverpool fighters, I'd definitely say, you know, David, Stephen, and Joe Selkirk are ones to to mention about making the sport look easy. And yeah, I think even Joe's style, you know. If he wanted the box, he'd box at long range. If he wanted the fight, he'd come in and fight. And nine times out of ten, he'd wipe it out. Yeah, <laughs> and this was when we had egg guards, and yeah, you know the amateurs were. It was tough to get a knockout in the amateurs. You know, with the egg guards and ten oz glove, and and he was doing it. With with a lot of these amateurs though, as well. You know, you can have elite level amateurs. Uh, Nathan Bruff, mm-hmm. Tom Stalker, you know, guys. Who from this city have been at the very highest level? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Tony Quigley. I know Tony picked up injuries and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen in the pros. You know, it, it's a ruthless sport. It'll, it'll eat you up and chew you out, and that's why I think from the outside looking in, sometimes you're like, 
you, you get it when fighters come in and go, I've got nothing else. I've got no qualifications. I've got no life. This is yeah. what I do. And you think, okay, fair enough. You're in it. Whereas you're in it because you love it. That's the only reason you're going to the gym every day. It's the only reason why you're doing a 10-hour shift and going down and, and hitting pads at no limits and taking yeah. fights and fighting on club shows and all that. It's because you love it. You've got a passion for it still. That's it. I think sometimes, mate, I think it could have happened to me. I could have, I could have turned pro and it mightn't have clicked, you know. You mentioned Tom and Nathan, and it just didn't didn't suit their style, or you know injuries or whatever, or just about performances on the night. I mean, again, mate, like I said before, you don't perform, you can get hurt, and yeah. and it's how much confidence that it hurts. It does hurt, you know. I I know sometimes in a spa, if I don't spa, I take it home, and mm. never mind in a fight, you know, on telly or. Watching it back, it, it can be damaging, um, and whether or not you just can't find that click after, you know, after a bad defeat or after it hasn't gone your way, and you do fall out of love with it. I think that's the main thing, like you said. I think sometimes when you're underperforming, I wonder is it because you fell out of love with the sport or yeah. it hasn't gone your way and you get a bit fed up. And because to do this sport, mate, to not love it, you, you're gonna get nowhere. Honestly, you would really not. And I'm still in love with it at the minute, and hopefully it'll um If you won the lottery tomorrow, would you still do it? Yeah, I would. Still do it as a pro as well, or would you just train? I'd still do it as a pro. Yeah, I think. You want that competition? I think taking the sport away from me. I think unless someone says to me tomorrow, Jared, it's over, And, and and that's people close to me. You know, the, the lads down at No Limits who've been top draw, you know, Danny and, and Chris and Kevin, all the lads there, they've been they've been unreal. You know, all the lads who were saying with side by side. Yeah, me my dad, you know, even Paul Eddie has a lot to do with me, you know, he, he comes, you know, gives me pads and yeah. and I do still pop down a Solly and see all the lads. I think unless someone says to me, Jed, it's over, I don't know whether I'll stop. Or until I feel I fell out of love with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If, if if and when that day does come, who will be the first person to say, would you be your dad? Um, I think he'd advise me. I think if he thought I was getting hurt, especially because, yeah. you know, it's my dad. He, even though he was my amateur coach, we, we fought like cat and dog. We took it home. Yeah, yeah, You know, course. you'd have an argument in the gym. It, it was so home. <laughs> I didn't speak to him for two days. And <laughs> when I was dieting, it was even worse. So... He's putting to, putting you to bed, still having a go about not slipping that jab. Telling you. So <laughs> it was hard at times. And everyone used to say, oh, it must be boss your dad being your coach. It was hard at times, <laughs> let me tell you. It wasn't always... Um, Sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, it wasn't, mate. It wasn't always plain sailing. But I wouldn't swap it, mate. And I think he'd be the first one to say, lad, you know what? I think, you know, maybe not even getting it. Maybe just underperforming or, you know, there must be a time where someone's got to say to you, look, had three or four fights now where you've underperformed you know how much have you still got left inside and I'm a realist mate the minute I feel like I'm not going to get where I want to get I'll I'll call it a day Yeah. And, that, and then I think sometimes there's fighters who will just hang on just too long and they can get it yeah. you know we, we are in the hate game so I think I think I'll know myself. I don't think anyone will need to tell me, to be honest. Yeah. But if someone did say, you know what, Jed, I think um, 
I think time's up then. Yeah, I'd take it on board. Think about it, mm. yeah. Well, we're a million miles away from that at the moment. Nine Definitely. fights in. Hardly dropped around. March 30th, just around the corner. Stick with us. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk with Jed Carroll. Coming up in part three, we're going to ask him about this March 30th card. And also going to ask him about his experience of being in, a, in an ambulance on a, day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis in work. He probably sees head trauma all the time. What his opinions are in weight cutting in the sport and obviously the dangers boxers face. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Still joined in the studio by the G-Man himself, the punching paramedic. Sorry, I know that's not 100% accurate anymore, Jeb, but I can't stop using it. It's a play on words. Yeah, exactly. It sounds nice. Um, But in that regard, though, obviously, I mentioned it there just before the break. You know, you, you are in the paramedic van. You have got that experience. That is your day job. You must come across accidents and head trauma all the time. You must be more aware, probably than any other fighter, the dangers involved in sport and certainly the dangers involved in weight-cutting for fight sports, something that you, as a massive, you know, super lightweight, lightweight, are, are more than aware of. So is that something you factored in when you're doing your weight cut? Is it something you've done a lot of research into? or? Um, I think in terms of the head trauma, mate, I think you can overthink it massively. I think, you know... People drop dead playing footy, you know, and I'm not saying getting punched in the head's good for you because it's, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, any any trauma to the head's not, but I don't think anyone would do it. You can walk out across the road and get potted by a car, you know. Yeah. I, I don't overthink it, I don't underthink it, I don't think about it, you know. I think it's more about taking less punches yeah, and I try and not get it as much as I can and... You know, I don't really, I don't really think about it to be honest, mate. I do day to day see, you know, obviously trauma and and stuff like that, but I don't ever associate it and worry about anything boxing wise. Yeah, and that's that's the truth. That when you're at a boxing event or in the gym, and you know, someone might get caught in a spar or whatever, are you kind of, I always, are you kind of first in there because of your experience, just to make sure everything's all right, or do you, do you leave the work at work and? Yeah, I sort of separate it. Obviously, if something was serious, then obviously yeah. Danny or someone would give me a shout. But I, I do. It is two different lives. You don't get Luke Willis coming and going. Jed, come on, just have a look at this lad. Just <laughs> you know, pulling a zip down and anything. <laughs> I'd certainly wouldn't be looking at anything, Luke. <laughs> no, no, man. I do keep them quite separate, mate. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, as I say, all the lads know. If, if there's anything wrong that they can they can give me a call but I do um, I do live two separate lives really I have my life at work and then I have my other job which yeah. is the fighting and, and the training and obviously if it was something something serious then I'd have you ever had that conversation with anybody at work where someone might go you know why did you box you know you're, you're giving yourself trauma boxing you're putting your body through it blah blah because they may not be a boxing fan or is it more like people are curious um there is there's there is conversations i've had in the past with nurses and they try and say you know oh you're getting trauma every day and your brain swells this many times and this that and the other but again mate i just laugh yeah i just laugh i said if you don't understand the sport you never will mm-hmm. you know people you're always going to have anti-boxing and you're always going to have boxing fans yeah you know the band boxing brigade they're out every time you know someone does have a bleed which is which is rare mm-hmm. you know the, there's just as many people as I said mate well look at 
motorsports or yeah, horse yeah. racing or rugby where there's more fatalities. I think I think the stats I looked at last year, the biggest sport for fatalities is marathon running. Marathon. There's yeah. no one out there saying dead stop marathon running no, no. globally. As you say, it's people who don't understand fight sport, but also it's that you know the reason I love it is because it's you can't get any closer to being on the edge if you like. You know the, the adrenaline rush involved. Now I couldn't do it. When I used to spar at the gym and you were there to solid. I don't know, you've done it. But I used to, all day leading up to a spar, I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to think about anything else. That It just wasn't in me. Yeah. And when I'd spar, obviously after the spar, you get that adrenaline rush and there's no feeling like no it on feeling. the planet. Yeah, yeah. And I can only imagine what fighting at the Echo Arena and getting your arm raised must feel yeah. like. It must be incredible. But genetically, and I truly believe this, I think fighters are genetically made. I think you've got it. you've got it in your DNA to be a fighter. Instead of flight, you fight. Yeah, yeah. And I think ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the population do the opposite. Yeah. And I think I'm part of the ninety nine percent. It's not in me to have to love fighting that much that I want to go and do it every day. I love it. I love watching it. I love yeah, being yeah. around it. And it fascinates me sitting. That's why I love doing this show. Fascinates yeah. me sitting with people like yourself because something in you is different than what's in me, and that's what fascinates me more than anything mm. else. Do you ever think of it like that, or? Yeah, definitely. I will say. Not everyone can fight. No, hundred percent. No. I am a, a big advocate of you can't buy heart. You can't give someone the the fight. You know, ninety nine percent of people do take the flight and they do look for the easy way out. And if you have got that fight in you, then boxing's definitely the of course <laughs> definitely the one. And and there's there's people who will who will have that fight in other sports. Yeah, you yeah. know, top footy players have Steven all got Gerard, people a like different, that, you know, you yeah, know yeah. just wired slightly different and, you know, top athletes, they are just slightly tuned differently. Um, but in terms of the fighting, mate, you couldn't, you couldn't fight or, or box if you didn't love it or have that in you. Because yeah. it's only going to end in, in one way, in tears and you get it. Yeah. You get it. There's loads of you see lads who who come in who've got big mouths, loud loud mouths. I've seen it in the amateurs all all my life. You know they come in, they have a little go outside. As soon as they're in with the fighter, mate, a real fighter, it's a different ball game. Yeah, and they they very rarely come back. Very rarely come back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, March the thirtieth, full speed ahead. Any news yet on an opponent? No, no no opponents as of yet. Um, Press conference tomorrow mm-hmm. um, in the lava buildings. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks I'll have an opponent and should get all all confirmed. I think so far there's only you know hopefully we'll find out a lot more tomorrow. We've got the two, the main events, the co-main. I think Fowler Fitzgerald's the co-main, isn't it? I think Beefy mm-hmm. um, is in the main event against Sam Eggington. Um, when you look at Fowler, obviously I know you'll have all the respect in the world for what Fowler's doing and, and yeah, his yeah. and his career and everything else, but it's got to be that element of like, you know, I've been pro longer than him. I've been working just as hard as he has. I've, you know, mm-hmm. but again, it comes back to that opportunity, getting that opportunity. He's got the opportunity first. Do you look on that a little bit like, wish that was my opportunity. I've worked as hard as him, or do you kind of go, okay, sound. You you achieve what you achieved as an amateur, which allowed you this yeah, opportunity. Yeah. So you're on your road. I'm on my road. Yeah, I think we're just on two separate paths, mate. You know, Fowler's had a great amateur career and he's he's now doing great in the pros and it's his time. You know, he's had he's been 
I wouldn't even say lucky. You know, he mm. worked hard as an amateur. He he won titles after titles, and you know he was part of that Olympic squad. You know, um, I don't envy anyone. I don't I don't think about anyone. Good luck to that. You know, all all the Liverpool lads, and I hope they all end up winning titles. You know, there's Tom Farrell who's going to be boxing on it, and Robbie Davis is on it. Beefy, you know, it's all good for the city, and yeah. I want them all to do well and. When my time comes, I hope they want me to do well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not. I don't wish I was in their shoes. I'd rather be in my shoes and living my own path and working towards my own path. It, it wasn't meant to be for me to to be signed straight away to a promotional deal. Yeah, you know, it's not worth crying over it then, is it? I'm a firm believer yeah. in what will be, will be, and I'll get there if it's if it's meant to be. Yeah, it's a good card. So as you say, I'm Staff. Robbie Davis, the European title Staff. fight for Robbie Davis as well. Joe Hughes, good yeah, fight. It's a great fight, good yeah. Fight, Absolutely yeah. brilliant fight. In terms of the lads all at um, No Limits with you, then, I know every time one of you guys in, you're like, it's brilliant, it's like a family, yeah. we get yeah. on so well, it's a perfect thing, you know, we've got a perfect click, but yeah. so many of us are around the similar weight divisions, yeah. it feels like a bit of a race to the titles, do you know what I mean? Because obviously you'll never fight each other, so it, it feels like, is it all kind of waiting for the same phone call to come a little bit? Yeah, we're, we're probably all similar, similar, you know, levels nine, as well. Yeah, nine, yeah, yeah, that's ten, I mean. and all, and and yeah. everyone is waiting for that little phone call. And but I think in terms of the gym, the gym is it's on fire at the minute. It, it, it's training every day with the lads. We're all hungry because we're at the same level. Mm-hmm. You know. The competition's high, you know. The sparring is is high, top class, and it's more about whoever gets the first opportunity. Good luck. Yeah, you know. It feels like it could be like a bit of a snowball effect. Anyway, when yeah. that first call comes, it feels like bum 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 like dominoes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone will get a call. That's it. And it, you could blink, and literally by the end of this year, there could be half a dozen, if not more, belts hanging That's on it. that gym wall. I'm sure. I'm sure this year the, the gym as a whole. I'm sure we'll have more than one or two titles definitely yeah. that's that's the that's the aim definitely you know Mason he, he was unfortunate with his lip he's was, had yeah. a little bit that of time fight was out, won. But, mm, that fight was won yeah yeah he's he's back he's back um, March the 2nd yeah Luke Luke will be out shortly Tom McGuinness he'll be out shortly Fagan he's on he's on the edge you know he boxed Barrett for the IBF mm-hmm. um, was unlucky not to get it in my eyes to be honest yeah um, so we're all there or thereabouts and we're, as I say mate it is like a big family and you know all the lads down at the gym Danny Chris Kev you know Mark Macha they all do a great job and they can't do enough for you I'll be honest there's times where if I was in Danny's shoes I'd, <laughs> I'd hate to be in his shoes to be honest because <laughs> we must be a nightmare Yeah, especially when we're all together do you know what I mean but no, mate, it's all joking. Who's the, big, who's the biggest nightmare in the gym? Oh, who's Will, the biggest? Will Sandstein. Will Sandstein. He knows it, though. Yeah, he yeah, knows yeah. it. That's his role. Yeah, he yeah. knows it. He knows. There's, there's always one, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it's Luke. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but he knows. He, he takes it, and no one will ever change Luke. He is what he is, and that's that's what I like about him. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's not afraid to say what he wants to say. And talent wise, he's he's a top talent. Yeah, sparring wise as well. Oh, the sparring, mate. The sparring down there must be unreal. And so many different styles as well. Luke's style is completely different from your style, and your style is completely... Everyone's got a completely different style. That's it. 
especially if you know who you're boxing. If you know who you're boxing, if you know you're boxing a southpaw, you've got Luke, who's yeah. probably you know one of the best southpaws in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Fazer, switch hitter. You've got Mason, strong as an ox, coming forward. Tom McGuinness can fight. He can he can box. He can do a bit of both. You know, Fagan. No one, no one can touch Fagan at times. When mm. he's on it, he's he's top drawer. And you know, Tom Simpson, he's just joined the gym. That's right. Yeah, he's yeah. he's another good addition. You know, good amateur, strong, can box. So the gym, the gym itself is is really. Who do you enjoy sparring the most out of all then? Or who's the worst? Who's, who's the worst to spar? Who do you want? Who do you, when you walk in and Danny goes, you're sparring such and such. You think oh, this, is, this is going to be a pain. This. I think because there's so many different styles, depend on your feeling. It just that depends day. on how I feel. If you're yeah, up for it yeah. that day. You think That's great. It. Oh yeah, fancy sparring them. Let's have it. That's it. Yeah. I think once you know you're sparring, I think you've got to change your mindset anyway. There's days where you know. Anyone who says they go through camp and they're hundred percent all the time is lying. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I feel great all the time. Everyone's always had the best camp. I've had the best. I've had the best camp. The way cuts gone perfect. You know, <laughs> the lion. Honestly, no chance. it doesn't. It doesn't happen like that. There's always little niggles, but no, there's no one really who would say I don't enjoy sparring. I think there's different types of spars at times. You know, and it's it's more about adapting. I don't spar Luke the same way I spar Mason or Tom or you know everyone's different because yeah. there is that range of styles. I might go forward against someone a little bit more or against someone a little bit stronger. I'll try and take my time or work on going for you know it's it's just different. There's no one who I've I've ever sparred really who have thought oh, I wouldn't like to spar him or yeah. It's all I guess the tough spars he ones where you go I'd like to do that again. Mate, brings I, out the best in you. Yeah, yeah. Makes you work harder. The, the better the opponent, the better I find myself. Yeah, and I think in the gym, everyone is, you know, is, you know, top class and the sparring you'd you'd pay to see. It, honestly, I've seen, I've seen shows where the 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 standard hasn't been as high as some of the spars, and it, it's it's good. Come fight night, sometimes the fights are easier, and yeah. that's the truth. Because it's very rare you hear of anyone <clears throat> from No Limits having to go anywhere to spar. Because I guess there's that many looks. Mm. Or do you, have, do you have people coming into No Limits? Yeah, you'd yeah. be surprised. Yeah, I think I think people perceive that we just spar each other. Yeah, you know, I'm down at Jamie Moore's gym quite a lot sparring Tommy Coyle and you know the lads are out sparring today. I think sometimes because it's not on social media, yeah, yeah, everyone just thinks keep it. It's all in house. Oh, it's all in house. It, it's far from it. it we we go uh, Matthew Atten's gym. We're out at least, I'd say once every ten days. So sometimes it just doesn't get put on social media, and people think, oh, they you know they must all just spar together. Yeah, yeah. We have lads coming in to no limits. You know, we go down the Solly, and and there's just a mixture and. I've heard people say that before. Oh, yeah, you yeah. must all just love spar. We don't actually spar that much together, if you mm. know what I mean. Like, obviously, weights and all that, Mason and, and Tom and Fazza, they'll go and spar, and then there's, like, me, Luke, and, you know, but there's always someone for someone in, in each gym, so yeah, we don't really go down as, as everyone. It's more like, oh, I'll be sparring. Me and Luke will go down to Steve Maylett's gym. Gotcha. Um, and then... 
Wednesday, Fazer and Mason will go and spar in the VIP gym, Jack Cattrall and all that. And I, I don't know, it, it maybe is because it's not on social media that yeah, maybe you know so, we're perceived, yeah. but we are out all the time, mate. Of course. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, though, social media is so important. You said you said earlier on that social media is not a big thing for you. Just to wrap up, is that something? You've spoken about, you know, because I follow you on social media and all I can see is that you go on boss holidays, which is great. <laughs> do all that now before the kids come, because I'm telling you now, oh, you don't get to do it. Coming. When the kids come, you don't get to do anything. But going to Rome with your missus and going here there and everywhere, it's beautiful. Enjoy it, embrace it. But from a selling tickets perspective, you need to get busier on social media. I do, mate. It, that's just me. That's a personal thing that I just, I'm a bit of a technophobe. I like just having a little nose rather than anyone knowing anything about me. Um, yeah. Uh, I will I will try and push it this year and, you know, give people a bit more of an insight into the training and and the training with the lads. And, you know, most of the lads in the gym are active on, you know, the promotion side of it and self-promotion. And, You've got to get it done. It's uh, got to be done. It is, a, it is probably in, in the whole aspect of the pro game. That's probably me one downside is self-promotion and getting myself out there on social media really well, so to just plod on of course March, listen March the 30th is coming up mate it's another big opportunity for you uh, I hope you find out your opponent this week that'd be nice but 10 and 0 kick on from mate. there let's get that title fight in by the end of the summer that's it hopefully the next time I'm in here I'll have a little um, I'll have a belt with belt. you absolutely you'll be listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk big thanks to the G-man Jed Carroll for joining me tonight as he said then the press conference for the big March the 30th Matchroom show is in Liverpool tomorrow Wednesday at the Liver Buildings I'll go down there to, to see some interviews get some content from there uh, hit us up on YouTube or our Fight Disciples account and for our usual shows visit fightdisciples.com interact with us across social media Twitter Instagram Facebook, all the usuals, at Fight Disciples. And I'll catch you here for much more of the same next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.